when I was a kid, I wanted to be a marine biologist. You know, I wanted to be kind of like a bit of an adventurer or a fish, quite frankly. Somewhere along the way, I created a backyard carnival for a charity of some kind. And I got a kit in the mail. And I kind of joke that I've been doing that backyard carnival in a variety of different ways throughout the world. Change, real change, can be a messy business. First, you need to know where you're going. And to know where you're going, you have to know who you are and what drives you. Most organizations outline a corporate mission, vision, and values. But these are often thought to be nothing more than empty marketing statements. How many times have you seen a poster with a mountain that says authenticity along the bottom in capital letters? This kind of work is often laughably bad, or even worse, convincing, but empty. How do you make real change happen? The world is on fire, and many big companies are still only offering platitudes. Despite the best intentions of their leaders, employees don't believe in the commitment, or they often dismiss it outright as all talk, with no action. This is something we obsess about in our practice. We've been working on this idea of purpose design in response to the challenge of how to align and unite organizations of many kinds around a shared purpose and ambition that truly means something. It's an alchemy of inspiration and measurement. It's a cocktail of collaboration and individual voices. It's a process and an outcome. But when you get into the details of an organization, you find all the messiness that comes with it, and it's easy to get lost. Or to focus on the afternoon's work, rather than on broader ambition. For things to truly change, the organization has to change. But so do its people. And change is hard. Barb Groth has built a new kind of company called the Nomadic School of Wonder. And while she makes no claims about the ways it'll change you, I can say from personal experience that it does. Operating at the intersection of nature, art, and community, the Nomadic School of Wonder helps people to be deeply, truly, and profoundly present in the moment, in their thoughts, and in their bodies. From the Ho rainforests to Fogo Island, she leads groups of people on adventures into the guts of wonder. It's impossible to leave unchanged. I was a journalism major and then became a documentary filmmaker. And again, kind of like the idea of being out in the world and being in an adventure. And my dad was a computer engineer, my mom a nurse. So I just wanted to have nothing to do with those two fields whatsoever, right? And then one day I woke up and I realized, oh, I'm doing interactive software with holistic health with Deepak Chopra, you know? And I was like, how did I get here? So I took a six-week job with a crazy, literally crazy Hollywood director. He was at the very beginning of, um, this was in the mid to late 80s. He was in the very beginning of what is interactive, what is multimedia. We would show our prototypes at the, I think, the very first TED conferences. You know, I took a six-week job to do some content for that. And it turned into, I don't know, here I am. 30 years later or something like that, still doing uh, participatory experience design in various mediums. What we were doing is demonstrating for clients like IBM and Apple, what is multimedia? And if you can imagine, I like to tell young people that I work with this story where, oh, I click on a word and it takes me to another place. It's a hyperlink. Oh, I click on the computer and a video screen comes up. And that was like, oh, wow. And my friends who were in kind of the Hollywood world, they were like, what are you doing? You know, what are you up to? 
And so I, we did a lot of early prototypes. We did a prototype on Picasso's painting Guernica, and it was exploring the painting and exploring world history and exploring the Spanish Civil War and and arts and science and history through that painting. So we did little prototypes and we're kind of demonstrating to people what this could be while it wasn't really an industry. And then I went from that, from Laserdisc to CD-ROM to web to VR to AR to, you know, all the different kind of ways of slicing and dicing it. When it comes right down to it, it's creating experiences for people in different mediums. I purposely set up Big Buddha Baba in the 90s to not be a traditional agency that just tried to scale, 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 but one that could pick and choose what projects to work on and who to work with. And that's what we did. And we had a ton of fun. The idea is I feel like you can really design and bake with love. And so we just had a blast designing for the likes of Disney Imagineering and others through the years animation and storytelling and interactive participatory experiences and all for the kind of desire to create more surprise, delight, and wonder in the world. Barb's agency grew and worked on a variety of increasingly complicated projects at the intersection of physical and digital spaces. But always at the heart was the sense of wonder that came from watching people react to things they couldn't easily understand. Things that had an element of magic. She saw in those moments that real transformation was possible. It was a specific project at Disney World at Epcot called Turtle Talk with Crush. We use technology because my sweet spot has always been emerging technologies and how that meets kind of creative invention. And so we had this wonderful technology as if the movie screen is talking back to you. So an animated character is talking with you. The technology was very seamless, so it wasn't like you could see any of what was really going on. You just knew that you were having a conversation with this animated character. And I think when we did the early playtest for that, I knew that we had something super special because people were looking around like, how are they doing this? And so maybe it was wonder. I think even more, I would say it's magic. I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but it was really magic. And the kids just totally bought into it and were talking to Crush and Crush is talking back and saying, what's your name? And, you know, a a little girl is saying, you know, my name is Belinda. And Crush is like, Belinda, dude, how are you today? And then the parents were looking around like, how is this happening? And then in kind of um, a goosebumpy way, somebody came up after we first opened that project before the press came and said, hey, my child who has had autism, just spoke their first words to crush. You know, they had like tears in their eyes and things like this. And I thought, wow, like, you know, that was so not, that was so not on the radar necessarily for us. But our intention was held to kind of really create connection, magic, to create relationship between the character and the guests at Disney. That would be like a pivotal moment. What's so nice when you design for the real world, especially the work that I did with Disney Imagineering, is that you could actually see people and experience people experiencing what you designed. Where before, when I was working in the world of, let's say, the internet or, you know, early CD-ROM days, you weren't at home with people seeing how they Mm -hmm. responded to things. How can we create things that have a, um, a really intimate, personal impact on people? 
creating things that were useful and beautiful and yes, transformational. Although I, I actually don't use that word. I don't use it as a kind of, I think it sets an expectation for people. And I like to kind of like sneak up on them a little bit. Like, you know, with the turtle talk, it's like, I think that was transformational for people. The work that we do with the Nomadic School of Wonder is transformational, but we don't go in promising transformation. We kind of have a little bit more of a, an invitation into play and then through play transformation happens. The Nomadic School of Wonder emerged in 2015 as Barb was imagining what might come next in her life and career. The pull of enthralling, immersive physical experiences, which she'd felt from those early days of wanting to be a fish and a carny, never went away. If anything, they got stronger. Her desire to become even more alive and present in the moment kept growing. But this desire to be more present and alive began with intimate experiences with death. Before Nomadic School of Wonder came to be, it was the intensity of the experience of people at the end of their lives that shaped a different direction for Barb. I mean, the, you know, the, the question is really, it's such a profound experience. And the way you've described it in the past is that everything almost becomes like technicolor when you're in this moment where you know you're with someone who's sort of towards the end and life just gets this new vibrancy and how my interpretation and understanding of it is that for you, that experience made you just question why we don't all feel that more often. Like, why is it that that's something that is reserved for these moments? And so that was part of what brought you to the place you're at. But I'd love to hear that in your own words and see you know, your own experience of that. I do feel that I have felt more alive when I'm near people who are on their way out. And um, there's not just like the seriousness of the preciousness of life, but also laughter, you know, and there's this like the absurdity of it all. So many different things are kind of packed into that. And so um, for me, you know, a lot of the work that I do under the Nomadic School of Wonder is directly inspired by that work and also kind of like a way of honoring people in my family and other ones who have passed on who I had this privilege of having that time with them. And so I do think like, how can we, I'm very aware of the fact that life is precious every day and how can we not just look at the fear aspect of that, but live into the fullness of what it means to be present. And I do think that wonder is not necessarily the Northern Lights in Iceland. It is literally something that you can, you know, have right in front of you, walk out your front door and experience. A lot of what we do through the experience of play is to actually open up people to the possibility that perhaps there's something more than I don't know, just the rational way of experiencing life. And maybe when we touch this on wonder, this kind of mystery, we touch this mystery and we kind of have those moments. We don't know exactly how to describe them. That's why of these words, awe and wonder. But we do know that we're in those moments. We're more open to possibility, more open to being empathetic, more open to amplify creativity, so many different things that come out of it. So what we try to do, and it's in a direct response to learning how to to live, you know, with that kind of like Bergman deaths following you around, we really try to create the conditions for wonder to happen. There's a lot of joy and a lot of depth, and I've done a lot of transformational work in my lifetime, 
And I think sometimes us humans take ourselves way too seriously. You know, there's something about lightening our hearts that help us to live more fully. And so that's what we do. And, you know, in our first school of wonder experience, we put people inside pine box coffins. Uh, It was death and rebirth. And they were being held, so to speak, by a palliative care doctor and his partner in a really wonderful, sacred way. But I remember when they were closing the pine box coffin on me when I was inside of it, I started giggling. And then the lid was shut and I was like, oh, this isn't as funny as I thought it was when the lid was shutting. So sometimes we just go head on into it. We go, okay, our theme is death and rebirth. And rather than talking about death and rebirth, we're going to give you a sensory feeling of that. It was super transformational in a very quiet contemplative way. We had a contemplative dinner afterwards and people kind of contemplated now that they've had that moment where, you know, the pine box coffin lid is slid shut. They had this moment to contemplate what's, what's next for them with that, with that new awareness. You say you sort of set the envelope and set the stage for hopefully for the arrival of wonder. But when it arrives, it's like a rabbit hole. And so what do you mean by that? We literally invite you into, let's say, a forest. And in that forest, things happen that perhaps um, some things are planned, some things are unplanned, but they happen. You know, you might run across a performance artist, you know, in the trees. You might have a cello player playing cello in a hollowed out redwood tree, Um, at night we did this in Woodstock, New York, we did this progressive dinner and we, it was the first night of the summer where fireflies came out, right? We didn't plan that. We were going around with little like hokey firefly lanterns and all of a sudden the real fireflies came out. Play is so underrated, right? Play is the state in which we experience awe and wonder, right? And the place in which we actually can create and invent from, right? It's where we embrace uncertainty rather than try to shut it down. So I would say the wonderland part of it for me is an alternate reality that feels more real than this other reality I was just living in, like something that's super, super heightened awareness. I invited some friends to New Mexico in 2015, in October 2015, to uh, try, experiment, playtest a concept, an idea I had called the Nomadic School of Wonder. And I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I sent out an invite of something that I had wanted to do for a while. And it came out of being with people who were going through the last days of their lives, being with people who were actively dying. And I realized that in many ways they were like more alive and present than we are walking around in our daily lives. And I had thought to myself, well, maybe I should be doing some work around end of life care and applying my experience design skills there. And then I realized that it was more about designing experiences for people to bring them more fully alive, even if they weren't actively, let's say, actively in their last days. And so that's how the Nomadic School of Wonder came about. I just thought, nature, art, community, and play. Let me design something that I think could really bring people alive. And let's activate the human interface, you know, all of the senses. 
and give people a opportunity to have a fully embodied experience. I think I've spent a lot of time in my head as others have. Now we spend more and more time on video screens and I was like, well, how can we actually, you know, when I think about my favorite days as a kid and as an adult, it's always somehow I'm I'm really fully embodied. I'm doing something with my hands or I'm in nature or something. So it really just came out of a daydream. I wrote this down, I'm at a school of wonder, and then sent out an invite, and then people showed up. So they showed up to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Galisteo, New Mexico, and they always represented very wonderful places to me. And also, we focus on kind of small, remote towns throughout the world that we take people to. The big sky here, the kind of the kind of mystical quality of the land that meets the sky. It's a it's a pretty incredible place to just be in. If you're in town sometime soon, celebrate Toronto's Year of Public Art at an Artworks TO exhibition hub near you. Experience free art, workshops, talks, and more at Union Station, Cloverdale Mall, Downsview Park, and Scarborough Town Centre. Or explore thousands of public artworks at Artworks TO's detailed interactive map. Visit the City of Toronto's artworksto.ca site for details. That's A-R-T-W-O-R-X-T-O dot C-A. For anyone who isn't a designer or in a creative field, or maybe has lost touch with that side of themselves, it can be intimidating to think about making something. You start with nothing, and then you have to produce something. And while it may seem like a mystery and magic to many, there's a strong and rigorous set of tools, methods, and principles that guide the process. There's even a debate about the best way to make things. When you're researching, some rely on quantitative research, others on qualitative, and some on what's called observational research. Some swear by the power of pencil and paper sketching. Others never leave their computers. The goal in every case, if you're a committed practitioner, is meaningful change. But how do you make something that people will care about or enjoy? How do you create experiences that people want to come back to? If you're going to change things for the better, it's not as easy as sketching it and then just building it. Sure, you could just go test it, but how? What ensures good information that you can then use to make whatever you're working on really better? It's an emphasis on play, (laughs) testing. So what we do, and this is a concept that we used to do at Disney and other places, it's just mocking something up and trying it out, you know, and people call it prototyping, mocking things up, um, iterative design, this and that. But it's, it's really like For the work that I do in the world, thankfully, I can call it playtesting, which is we're going to create an invitation. We're going to have a loose kind of mock-up of an experience. We're going to invite you to that experience, and we're going to stay in that experience with you. And then afterwards, we're going to kind of ask you, how did you tell us what stayed with you, what didn't, what we could do better, and um, have some feedback from people. So It gets misconstrued a lot as like user testing. User testing is not exactly play testing. You know, sometimes, you know, user testing has to be focused around user interface design. And play testing to me is more about we've developed an idea and in that kind of really kind of early carny theater way, we're going to mock it up, invite you in and see what happens from there. It's all about learning. 
And I think what's interesting about it too is that for the initiated, there are tools that we use to help us develop new experiences that maybe haven't existed before. And I think that for much of the world, that concept itself can be quite overwhelming. The idea that how can you, it just seems so risky. Like, how do you make something new that no one's ever seen? How do you know it's going to work? How do you know what it should be? How are you going to make sure you don't make any mistakes? Where to me, the idea of playtesting is you're putting it as one way that people in this world reduce risk actually, but still allow for the possibility that something brand new and never seen before can happen. I mean, which to me is an ingredient of transformative change, right? It's like, how do you go to new places? How do you bring people along with you? I mean, for you, what's your experience of the process of taking people from one sort of state of being or from one type of business or from one state of affairs to another? Like, what are the what are the ways you found success in, in kind of bringing people along who maybe aren't used to or trained in or experienced with that kind of change? I think the way that we approach it is an invitation into playing together in some way. We also invite people to co-create with us, truly co-create. So we will invite them in. There'll be some, let's say, invitation and story that they come into a redwood forest in Northern California And then we invite them to start doing what we call wonder-making with us. Creating hands-on, whether it's mask-making or food or other kinds of ball of clay and art-making and other things, and they co-create with us. That can be risky in and of itself, uh, but it also keeps us on our toes and it it also keeps us, the whole thing, alive. It doesn't feel canned because... We create a container, we invite you in, we co-create together. You learn as you're doing something, but you're not like, oh, I'm being transformed right now. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm playing in the woods, I'm singing, I'm doing things I wouldn't think I'd be doing. I'm dancing, I'm making flowers, whatever it is. We do wonder making and then we put it all together and we, we don't really know how the day of wonder that we're creating together will end. We purposely kind of create a container at the end of the day where we put everything that people made together in some sort of celebratory third act. And we have sometimes no idea where it's going to go. And it's the best part. And I've learned to trust it. It's in that place of like not over-designing, inviting people in, having people create, giving them freedom to kind of, in a container, but freedom to express and create that this kind of magic, wondery thing happens. It's hard to describe, but you know the difference when something is alive versus, you know, we've designed every moment of it. So we we definitely believe in the principle of emergence, mm-hmm. you know, and co-creation. And it takes a lot of trust and a lot of don't try to control anymore. Just let it be. Let's see where it goes and then respond to the moment and be in the moment. And it's never really failed us. It's weird. It's like, it has never failed us. And now, um, you know, when I talk to experienced designers who are just starting out, so the desire is always to like, you know, do everything, program everything, but leave space, leave space, invite people to co-create with you. And uh, and you're, you've gained traction with this. I mean, some very large, and I think most people Think of them, you know, Google X, for example, as a progressive, large organization are 
looking for, they've come to you for this way of thinking. And what is it you think these companies are looking for? Like, what is it that they can't find that only the nomadic school of wonder can deliver to them? Well, it's interesting. I just read an article in the New York Times around, you know, offsites and how important offsites are again. And um, the article really lacked imagination because it was like offsites are basically as boring as they used to be, you know, like wonderful. Great. We get to all get together. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be super judgmental about it, but come on, we've all been not together for a couple of years now during the pandemic. So what we offer is an invitation to come together and to connect with ourselves, connect with each other, connect with the natural world and do that in a playful, joyful way in a very simple, sometimes very simple ways, just sharing stories around a campfire. We often take people to the wild Mustangs, both in Utah and here in Santa Fe with wind horse relations in, in Utah and with the chance of a lifetime horse sanctuary here in Santa Fe. And we just create a container for you to connect with a, a magical being of a horse and learn about Things like, you know, leadership and how to lead and to do this through a horse, through the experience of being present with a horse and, and observing and really understanding how to dance in that moment. People's faces at the beginning can be like a deer in headlights, like what, what is going on here? What am I doing? And then it's just melted. They're like melted into like their 10 year old faces by working with people like the neuroscientist Bolato, we show what happens within a day. We show that, oh, you know, your empathy or your connection to your fellow teammate is actually four or five times more connected. Your desire to risk take or take risks creatively and otherwise are, you know, also been amplified. I think it's an opportunity for us to come together in a new way that we don't rely on the same old, same old kind of like, quote unquote, team building experiences, and that we drop a lot of that. And we're just humans together. We reconnect with our home, which is the natural world and each other. Okay, I have a last question. Um, so, you know, as I said at the beginning, the premise of the hypothesis of this season is this is the idea that inspiration has a greater likelihood of getting us to the kinds of changes we need in the world right now, whether they're environmental changes or social changes, rather than more of a stick. And you know, what's been interesting in the conversations I've had so far is that it's an ingredient for sure. And it's not, you know, you need a bit of both. You need government support, regulatory things happening to keep certain, say, companies in line with, with environmental standards, for example. But you would need individuals to take the lead and then you need corporations to, it's a, it's really in the end it's it's like it's a mix of things you need to have happen but but this show is really focused on the role that design creativity play inspiration you know all these more generative modes of being the impact that they can have in on in the quest towards a better world for everybody so what are your thoughts on that idea i mean and you can completely disagree with it if you want what are your thoughts on these generative modes of being and how they can affect positive change i think it starts kind of there in our imaginations and when we design experiences of inspiration and play and wonder we open up literally the aperture of what is possible and i think that's the first thing you know that really allows us to kind of envision what that future might be 
by opening ourselves up to that possibility. And then, you know, in terms of where that's taken, you know, I I think often people underestimate what play and what kind of inspiration and dreaming, what kind of real impact it can have in the world. I think of the depth of impact on people that encounter that are part of these experiences. And I track it over the years um, where I see how that open aperture has created like a new path forward for them that they maybe hadn't seen or hadn't believed in or whatever that is. And some of these other projects I work on, they try to do everything. The social impact projects are like, okay, we're going to be a really a theme parky thing, but we're going to try to, you know, in that theme park, we're going to save the world. And I was like, that's wonderful ambition, you know, to save the world through a theme park. But what can you uniquely do that others can't do at the UN and otherwise? And focus on that and double down on that and really say play, inspiration, wonder are ways to activate change on, a, I think, a much larger level. I had a question for you. I'm curious whether it's mm-hmm. FOGO or when you were here in Santa Fe, but I'm curious from your perspective, what touches you and what stays with you after a nomadic school of wonder experience? I mean, it's like you say with the idea that you can't set the stage, you can set the stage for some brilliant creative insight, but you can never guarantee it's going to happen, you know, but it's funny how often it does if you do. And it's so much work to set that stage. It's so much work to make sure that you're, it's the appearance of no work. You know what I mean? And so my experience of the nomadic school of wonder has been just that I, I you enter this place and somehow you just feel that you have permission to go back to what makes you fundamentally you. And so for me, the nomadic school of wonder gives you permission to go back to that place, which is so profoundly liberating and centering. You know, you talk to about the importance of, you know, balancing out the sort of rational or logical mind with the emotional mind. And to me, it gives you that permission to be in that place, which is fundamentally grounding. I always come away from the nomadic school of wonder feeling like, I'm in my body again, and that I'm in touch with who I need to be again in a way that I've spent most of my life feeling I'm trying to get to. Every time, it's like, she did it again. (laughs) We did it again. So returning to the hypothesis of this podcast, can inspiration help drive and accelerate positive change? When trying to move to a more equitable and sustainable future, do we make more progress with a carrot or a stick? In some ways, Nomadic School of Wonder goes even deeper than that argument, even further than the inspiring experiences that can drive change. It goes into the hearts and souls of the people we are asking to change. Change is hard. Generally, people are not very good at it. We're wrapped up in the habits and patterns of thought that guide our day-to-day actions. It can be a huge effort to fundamentally change how we think. If we don't acknowledge the noise that interferes with our ability to do the right thing, then we're not looking at the whole problem. Barb's work is about those visceral moments when we are fully present and aware. And while they can be fleeting, their impact is long-lasting. Standing on granite rocks on Fogo Island that are 420 million years old at the edge of the North Atlantic Ocean can be a profoundly centering experience. There's a clarity of awareness when we are in these places with others whose mindset is also open to new possibilities. These moments are windows into not only the different future, but a different state of being. In the TV show Severance, the characters have a chip surgically implanted in their brains to sever their work and real lives. When in their real lives, 
They don't know or remember anything about their work selves. When at work, they know nothing about their real lives. Each day coming up the elevator, the chip is activated, and they have a moment of transition from one state to the other. This splitting is something we all experience. One version of ourselves believes it sees the world with full clarity. We believe we know the rules. In a fundamental sense, we believe we understand what's happening around us. However, the show explores how even what we believe to be our reality is, is a construction. If we could only see it with fresh eyes, it's not really what we believe it is. It suggests that we may not really be who we want to be. Nomadic School of Wonder is like a tool that reprograms that chip. Through art, community, and nature, it connects us to another state of mind that's always inside us but rarely accessed, one in which we see ourselves, our lives, and our experiences as a deeply connected state of being. For those of us who live in two separate realities, our work lives and our home lives, we may need to stitch them back together in order to truly realize the dream of a better world. Imagine a corporate culture in which the mission and vision of the company is a song instead of words on a page, or where the words were less about authenticity, innovation, or other empty words, and more about the feeling of smoke in your eyes around a campfire, or a green balloon trailing off into the sky where you can't see it anymore. We need to bridge the gap between work mode and life mode. We have to reconnect to our creative selves because that's where new possibilities are born. That's where new futures are made. To learn more about Barb and the Nomadic School of Wonder, follow along at Instagram at Nomadic School of Wonder. First Things First is hosted by me, Patty Harrington, and produced by Heather Goh, and edited by Brian Scholis. Frontier is a purpose design office. We're pioneering this new kind of practice at the intersection of brand, strategy, culture, and design. We use design and strategic storytelling to help organizations define, express, and measure their purpose and ambition. It's a process for companies struggling to align themselves around an inspiring purpose that people genuinely connect with. We believe that positive change doesn't happen when we try to force it, but when we provide better, more inspiring alternatives built on environmentally and socially equitable foundations. In our next episode, we'll talk to Bjarke Engels, a globally celebrated architect whose philosophy of hedonistic sustainability finds ways to make buildings positive contributors to the environment while becoming catalysts for unexpected fun in the places they're built. In the meantime, please subscribe to First Things First to stay updated on new episodes. And if you like what you hear, a review helps too.